As many of you know, I had the opportunity and privilege uh, this March to travel to Afghanistan with five of my colleagues from other World Affairs Councils. We were invited by Ambassador Ryan Crocker under the auspices of the United States Department of State's Bureau of International Programs. It was an especially interesting time to be there as the Strategic Partnership Agreement, which was eventually signed by President Obama and President Hamid Karzai on May 2nd, was in the very final stages of negotiations. While there, we had the opportunity to meet with over 200 stakeholders, including General John Allen, President Karzai, and really dozens of Afghan high school and university students, and lots of NGO leaders and activists. While the audio quality of some of these voices is less than perfect, I think you'll find that they give you insight into the reasons why Afghanistan is so important to our national security, and yet especially challenging. Ambassador Crocker, who announced that he will be departing from his post a year earlier than planned due to health considerations, tells us why our mission is critical. It's three numbers, 911. 9-11 came out of Afghanistan uh, over a decade ago, and we are fighting here to ensure that uh, Al-Qaeda and its hosts, the Taliban, never again have the opportunity, the time and the space, to plan and execute attacks on the American homeland. What that means is both uh, an ongoing military campaign against the Taliban, who very much want to be back in charge and are hoping to wait us out, while we strengthen the Afghan state, because uh, we can't be here forever, but we have to have the confidence we're handing off to an Afghan state, Afghan security forces, that themselves are going to be able to ensure, again, no return of the Taliban, no return of Al-Qaeda. But is it taking it a long time? Yes. Is it costing us a lot in blood and treasure? Yes. Is it cheaper than another 9-11? Yes. In addition to concern that Al-Qaeda and other terrorist groups will use Afghanistan as a staging ground against the United States and our allies, I was also moved by the plight of Afghan women. Should we leave prematurely, our global partners, I suspect, will follow our lead, leaving these courageous Afghans without any safety net. Here, Nasreen Gross, she's an Afghan-American professor who returned to Kabul in 2002. She tells us why she wants the United States to remain engaged. Listen, it's the way to end game the Taliban. It's the only way. They refuse to accept that half of humanity exists. I mean women and democracy is the one that says no, men and women are equal. And most Afghans want to participate, both men and women, in the rebuilding of Afghanistan and making Afghanistan a modern country. We cannot remain in the dark ages in the rest of the world being in the 21st century. This is the only chance chance we have. Make no mistake, Afghans want America to stay and be engaged. While the news every day is full of the unfortunate catastrophes caused by both by Afghan and U.S. troops, there has been a great deal of progress, especially for women. For example, when the Taliban were overthrown in 2002, not one girl went to school, not one. And boys, if they even went to school, followed a strict Islamic curriculum, probably imported from Pakistan, that gave them essentially no skills. Today, of the 7 million Afghan students in primary and secondary schools, 37% are female. Eight years ago, a woman died every 30 minutes during childbirth. Now it's every two hours. There are today 3,000 midwives, compared to 450 just a decade ago. 
The American University of Afghanistan is another success story. Today, largely due to U.S. public and private assistance, 1,700 Afghan women and men are pursuing degrees. They study together, many in business, accounting, and finance. Dr. Michael Smith is the university's president. He made me one of his cheerleaders. I can't think of a place I would rather be, and that may seem funny to people who uh, who are thinking about Afghanistan from the standpoint of what you see on television and so forth, which tends to pick up on the uh, on the more negative or more disheartening kinds of parts of the uh, of the uh, situation here. Afghanistan's future depends on our next generation. Saida is a high school senior who shared with me her dreams. I want to be a politician. And do you have any desire to study in the United States? Yes, I would love to, but uh, if I got any opportunity, so that I would love to go to the United States and get the education there. But you would like to come back here? Yeah, I would like to come back here and build my country. What will be necessary for the U.S. to feel that its mission is complete and has been successful? Crocker outlines for us three requirements. But I would say, broadly speaking, a reconciliation process that, uh, meets the three conditions the um, Afghan government has set and which we support. First, that uh, to reconcile the Taliban or members of the Taliban must have a complete break with al-Qaeda, that they must completely cease and renounce violence, and perhaps most important, that they must agree to respect the Afghan constitution, including its protections for women and minorities. What that means is, in effect, they are detalibanized. Corruption, poppy production, and a very weak civil society, although improving, are all impediments to a stable future. Crocker remains, however, optimistic. These voices are just a few of the many we heard during our week in Kabul. One thing for sure, Afghanistan will remain one of our nation's most vexing challenges. Your World Affairs Council will continue to bring you different views.